just just do it right if you're really serious about it you know take some quiet time what do i what do i want this to be about what do i want to call it what am i trying to accomplish what's my intention behind all of it right and then from there just actually getting started like go there's okay you don't the stair the stairwell unfolds one step at a time welcome to unstoppable the podcast for anyone who believes that their past and current circumstances do not define their future potential. I'm Karina Burton, your host and co-founder of CPR Construction Cleaning. This show is a series of pro-founding conversations that share stories and experiences of unstoppable people. Those who are willing to change, discover what it means to be aligned, and who are also willing to face tough challenges that stand between them and their dreams. As a coach and marketing expert, I live my life believing that I am unstoppable. Now I want you to know that you are unstoppable too. Amberly Allen, I am so excited to have you um, on my podcast as one of the unstoppable guests. I have been loving the content that you've been creating for LinkedIn lately. And what's so incredibly fascinating is the automotive industry. I never really thought about um, what a strong and powerful industry that is. So thank you so much for joining. Karina, thank you so much for having me. Automotive is a lot of fun and uh, I feel lucky to be a part of it every day. It's been a part of my life for my entire adult career. So um, it's a lot of fun. It keeps uh, keeps me on my toes, that's for sure. But it's said that the automotive industry employs one in every four people in this country, either directly or indirectly, which is pretty fascinating. That is, you know, and I saw that you were 23. I, I was reading that in your bio, you were 23 and you started in the automotive. Other than, you know, buying my vehicles, like what had you go into that industry? So I have a marketing de- degree, but I met the owner of a marketing company specific to car dealers. But what's interesting is that I started selling junk mail to car dealers, as crazy as it sounds. So uh, the owner, I met him right when I moved to Houston and right out of college. And he had a company that sold junk mail to car dealers at direct mail. And it's one of these things where I got an opportunity to sell and I learned the business. And so I tell people, you know, every time you get one of those scratch offs, it's not as pre- prevalent today, but um, that's how I got started was selling junk mail to dealers when there was radio remotes and all the hoopla and greeters and gifts and balloons and the whole nine. That's where I started in the business. So before we get into your amazing unstoppable story, there is always some things, but maybe one thing in particular that really creates and cultivates the unstoppable mindset and that you obviously have. Could you share with us, how did you grow into this unstoppable mindset that you have? So that's a great question. I am really lucky. I'm a third generation entrepreneur. So when I went and I called my dad and I said, look, I've been selling direct mail for this other guy for a while, but I think I can do it better. You know, it really wasn't a surprising conversation for him. Right. And so Of course, he asked me, you know, are you sure you want to do this? You know, being an entrepreneur certainly isn't for the faint at heart. But um, and I said, yes, I'm sure. And I wanted to do it. And I kind of started on my own and from just my bootstraps. Right. I had five thousand dollars in savings and he gave me some dusty furniture from his office and I hit the ground running. And I'm really thankful that over the course of the last 18 years, I've sold over $40 million in marketing products to the automotive industry. So I've just been really lucky, but I would say work ethic would be the first. And then the second, I think that has kind of given me almost a second chapter in my quote unquote unstoppable life would be uh, when I survived a brain tumor three and a half years ago. That definitely, um, (laughs) I mean, health is wealth and having anything that stops us with 
our health, right, stops everything in its tracks. Absolutely, it does. So I'm definitely going to want to get more into understanding and knowing, you know, how did you continue to persevere through that? But I wanted to touch base a little bit about, you had mentioned that you're a third generation entrepreneur, which is amazing. That's so exciting. Who in your family um, were the entrepreneurs? Is it your father, your mother? Um, Tell us a little bit about that. So on my on my mother's side, her dad was a real estate developer and he was wildly successful. He, you know, built houses growing up and, um, you know, he would name like small streets in Dallas after the grandkids and things like that, just really innovative and smart. But then we also saw, you know, with the huge real estate crash in the eighties, you know, what he had to persevere and, and get through to kind of make it on the other side of that. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things being an entrepreneur is that you get bloodied and bruised and, you know, and you get knocked down at at a huge, you know, huge capacity. But if you're willing to get back up and dust yourself off, you know, and just navigate your way through it, you can make headway. So that is my, my grandfather. And then my parents built a manufacturing business together and it's been around for 30 years. And I've seen all the ups and downs as far as that goes, but When I was a young person, they would pay me to stuff envelopes with marketing collateral and things like that. So I've just been in and around it for my whole life. And um, I also think that micro entrepreneurialism is the way of the future because people, you know, being 1099 employees and wanting their freedom of schedule is I just think it's it's the wave of the future. And so I'm really I love it. It makes sense to me. Um, I'm grateful that it's the way my brain works, frankly, because I'm a terrible employee. So, so did you all? So you always knew, like deep down in your heart, that you were going to be an entrepreneur. I did. I always knew I would be in business for myself. I really did. I just didn't have any question as far as what I wanted to study in school. And initially, I thought I was going to go work for my dad and. Frankly, nepotism is great, but we are much better friends than coworkers, and I'm thankful for that. So, yeah. Um, but I always knew I'd be in business one way or another. I totally resonate with you know. I my dad, my grandpa is, is was an entrepreneur. My dad's an entrepreneur. Um, I have a few uncles who are also entrepreneurs, and I used to always tell my dad when um, I basically restarted my life and, you know, started out in the working field as a working woman and a mother of three. Right. I would say, you know, I want to work, I want to work for you, dad. And, you know, I wanted to do all the marketing for him, but he just wasn't there and ready to be able to take me on. And, um, but I'm so like, as life has it, you know, I know that it was for the best that I was able to grow on my own. And do for my sure. thing, um, even though I'm really close with my dad. But sometimes, you know, it's just, I feel like when you have the opportunity to grow away from your family in certain aspects, it really helps open up your mindset because, you know, you're taught the same things all the time. And when you're able to kind of see like, here's this whole other world. And I think sometimes we forget about that because we get so stuck in our community and our neighborhoods and our surroundings. And then you're like, there's this whole other world. And that's how I actually feel about um, the automotive industry. I never sure. thought about it really being to this depth of so much opportunity. I only think of like car sales lots, you know? Right. Right. And you know, it's interesting because, you know, my dad is a great counsel for me now, as opposed to a business partner or or an employer or anything like that. So when I am in the throes of trying to figure out a problem and find a solution, I feel really lucky that I can pick up the phone and go, okay, You know, and, and oftentimes it's probably on Sunday dinners, you know, with a glass of wine and the kids running around like, okay, dad, what do I do here? You know, so I'm really grateful to have that luxury of being able to seek counsel from him. But it's true as far as automotive. I mean, when I said one in four, you know, it's interesting because it's not just the dealerships itself, but you've got all the people that work within the dealerships and they're oftentimes in their communities, the biggest employers 
but there's also all these vendors. So I'm actually a vendor. I've never worked in, in retail automotive or at a dealership itself, but I'm a vendor in the space. And so I sell them marketing collateral and that sort of thing. And then there's obviously tons of vendors in the space, but you've also got like tire vendors and parts vendors and manufacturers and all these different things. And it all just kind of melds together. And um, I don't know, these are some of the smartest entrepreneurs out there. I learn from them all the time. And some of them are very, very tough, right? They don't, yeah. they don't mess around, right? I mean, I started young, I looked about 17. And <laughs> admittedly, I've been thrown out of some stores when I was cold calling them because I needed to up my Annie and, and my pitch and my maybe my professionalism and all of those things have kind of been honed over time. And I'm constantly seeking to get better as far as as far as that goes. So you, it just kind of happened where you ended up in this industry. What has kept you, you know, there, you obviously feel very drawn to it. Um, what is it about being in this industry, even as a vendor um, that you love so much? So I'm a woman in the industry, right? And 99% of my clients are men. And I grew up with three brothers and as far as that goes, I feel really comfortable in a room with all guys, right? I don't feel, I feel like I can relate to each of them differently. Each of my brothers are different and what they do, and what they're good at. And so in general, I feel really lucky that I have kind of a level of comfortability being the only girl in the room because I always was growing up. And so I feel like that's one piece of it, as well as just, uh, you know, there's so much opportunity. It's very lucrative. There's lots of, you know, ways to find income and have, you know, growth and all these things. And so it's just, it's been a huge blessing to me in the kind of, you know, abundance that it's brought me and opportunity and all these things. I just, I don't know. I feel grateful for it. When did you start your company? What age? So I was 24. Um, and so I've actually had my own gig for going on 17 years now, 18, I, April of 2005. Uh, is when I started. And um, it's been a wild ride. There's no question about it, right? Just learning and uh, learning how to be a manager and learning how to, you know, deal with growth and problems. And also too, frankly, the direct mail industry has changed drastically. And it's not as relevant as it once was. And so I had to kind of see the writing on the wall and pivot quickly to, over to digital and now 99% of my business is digital. Um, we did a little over $2 million in revenue last year, and 99% of it was all digital. Whereas when I started, it was all direct mail. So, mm -hmm. you know, just keeping up with the times and making sure you can pivot and, but also finding the latest and greatest as it pertains to marketing and what we're selling. And then, and then from there, I shifted into my totally new business that launched about three years ago which is a totally different segment of automotive. So who knows how it all unfolds. Which is, which is what? Tell us a little bit about that. So Dealer Merchant Services is a company I started about three years ago. And I learned and started researching about the legal changes that had happened over the course of the last 10 years. And with the Dodd-Frank Act, basically debit card cost to businesses started becoming regulated. So all the business owners that you've talked to, if they accept credit cards, they typically only keep 98 of every $100 that is being spent at their business. And so there's, there's a better way. And so I go into dealerships and create a two price model, meaning that giving the customer the choice of being able to use their debit card or their credit card at a small additional cost. And it save these, saves these businesses tens of thousands of dollars every month. And what, what motivated you to dis decide to go into that and do that? Listen, it's so crazy because when I took some time off, as I'd mentioned, I had a brain tumor. So um, when I started my marketing company, I did that until about 2012, 13, um, and merged it with an ad agency. And so took a little bit of a step back and had some babies, had a brain tumor, and when I got back in, I kind of joked because it was like my 2.0 back into the car business. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started realizing, okay, 
I started reaching out to every colleague that I had in the space, you know, what's working, what's not, what's going on in the industry. And I just started learning about these legal changes. And I thought, okay, if we could do it the right way in automotive, it would be huge for the dealer body. And so instead of just pitching and selling from the podium, I really started to do the legal research and started educating the dealer body on the law changes. And so that's really what we do is uh, we've been vetted by the National Association to educate the dealer body. And frankly, if they don't go with us, we want to make sure that they're doing it within compliance and legal and so that they do it the right way. And um, that's really served us. We're speaking again in San Diego um, to teach the associations the same thing. Girl, you are so inspiring and innovative. You just see something, you feel it, you go for it. And that is very impressive because most people hesitate and stop and question and fear. You know, fear is always there. And I'm sure you probably felt fear, right? But it's either, it's either going to be the driver or the passenger. Um, Well, and don't kid yourself. There have been moments where I'm like, okay, You'll find me in the fetal position (laughs) in the corner because I don't know what I have done. I've burned the boats. I've got, I'm, I've got so much riding on it, but Mm -hmm. you know, look, I'm so grateful. I started with one dealer on this dealer merchant services program. We have nearly a hundred today and we're the fastest growing credit card provider in the automotive space at this time. Oh, wow. That is amazing. It's exciting for sure. I pinched myself. So there's just, I feel like there's so much to really, you know, go into and dive into. You literally have so many different things going on that you have been able to successfully maneuver, you know, being able to be a a mother while, um, you know, running a business and, you know, your, your health that you had a brain tumor Let's talk a little bit about, um, I'm I'm curious to know, did you say you went to school specifically for marketing? Is that, did you go to school or is that just your background or? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the University of Mississippi and I graduated with a a business degree, Um, but I joke, the college I went to was all about being social and having fun, right? It was, it was one of these um, you know, it, it's a great school and I had a blast, but I think the biggest things that I learned from it, because I think in certain circumstances, college isn't the right choice for some people, but for me, it definitely was. And the fact that I went to Mississippi, I had a little bit of family there, but overall I didn't know anybody. So I had to really get out of my comfort zone and meet new people. And then as far as business, that was an easy segue for me. Like I always knew I was going to be in business. And so I got an operations degree and a, and a marketing with a marketing secondary. So, but that is really, I think the other big thing is just finishing what you started, right? I mean, I can't tell you what I learned in my accounting class 20 years ago, but I can tell you that I finished, right? And that is a, an accomplishment, right? Is that you set out to, to finish something and do something. And um, I'm certainly a, a proponent for pivoting as needed and finding the right, you know, the right avenue for you. But for me, I knew that you know, my dad graciously gave me four years at, at the university. And and so I was like, okay, I'm going to take him up on it. He said, now you don't get one more day after four years. That's all you got, but you know, make the most of it. So that's what I did. And when you were building your business and then even, even your, your current company that you have right now, a dealer merchant services, do you have a coach through all that or is it just kind of like this uh, natural organic like fluidity that just this has been, you know, arising in your life and you're just jumping on these opportunities? Well, I've always had a coach, Karina. I mean, from the very beginning. And what's interesting is I got a coach in the first six months I was in business for myself. And it was the kind of coach that I could afford at the time that was in that particular phase of my business. So it was very much in startup, you know, very much just thankful that people were doing business with me, right? I mean, they're, these people trust me and I'm executing on it and it's working and they're sending me checks. Okay, this is amazing, right? But at the end of the day, so he really helped 
you know, with some of the major fundamentals, right? Like time management is a beast there. You can never get that right. You can always hone that skill, but it's a skill nonetheless, right? And then management and growth and creating what I call in our, in our business, kind of your key impact areas, right? Because you've got so many pillars, but you know, I had one amazing business coach in the beginning and then I moved forward and got like a CEO roundtable that I was a part of and really could collaborate with other entrepreneurs and owners. And and so I have always seeked counsel for people that know more than I do. And I've got a great circle of counsel within people that are in automotive or just in building, growing businesses, right? And, but at the same time, I do actually have a personal business coach that I work with every week and he keeps me on task and doesn't take any of my BS and um, also pushes when he needs to and lets off the gas when he needs to. But it, for me to have someone else that really understands my business and I can talk to them about the actual problems and celebrate the wins, it's, it's a huge benefit to me and it's a luxury and it's, it's, a, it's an expense, but um, I get huge benefit out of it. So what would be the one thing that you would recommend our listeners when they are wanting to start a business? What, what would you tell them? Like, these are the things that I would invest in. Maybe it feels like an expense right now, but you'll realize that down the road, it's actually going to be um, something that allows your business to grow um, exponentially. So, yeah, really good question. I think there's some things that I really think are important. I mean, first, you've got some just the basics, right? You know, the formation of the business and getting started. But I would say that just that one component, like actually moving forward and becoming a for a formal business in your state or whichever state you choose to be, you know, to start your business in, like actually getting started on the paperwork, like just mm -hmm. just do it right. If you're really serious about it, you know, take some quiet time. What do I, what do I want this to be about? What do I want to call it? What am I trying to accomplish? What's my intention behind all of it? Right. Yeah. And then from there, just actually getting started, like go, there's okay. You don't need the stair, the stairwell unfolds one step at a time. You'll never know. You'll never see the whole thing. Okay. Absolutely. Definitely put goals out there. Definitely put things out there, but you know, let it unfold. And so my biggest thing is just start. Okay start. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to start somewhere. And it's really amazing to see how, when you just take that first step, like then suddenly you see the next step and That's maybe right. it's not as clear, but it's literally just taking one foot in front of the other. And then before you know it, you're going to look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I've taken a hundred steps and right. how much further than you know, you could have thought possible at that moment, um, you know, and you're doing all of this while living real life. That's of so fascinating. And to me personally, just because of my story, my background, this is what I feel really, truly makes people so unstoppable, you know, for our whole lives, at least I feel like that we have always been told, you know, business is business, personal is personal. And yes, like as life has it, there's always a balance to everything, right? You can't be bringing personal life into um, business, right? But they, I think everyone thinks of that as being, um, you know, the drama and the chaos. But the reality is, is that we're human beings. We're personal people and we are personal people still doing business. 100%. You are now, you know, a mother and you said two, you have two children. I have two kids. They're amazing. A kindergartner and a first grader, a boy and a girl. Oh, so <clears throat> and they're a lot of fun. And I would say they're my North star, you know, <clears throat> the, uh, there's a great book by Kim Perel and it's called the execution factor. And she talks about the North star, right? What's your North star. And for me, they are mine. I mean, it just, I, of course, I'm lucky that I love to wake up and do what I do. And then I also love being with my kids. So that makes my life a little easier, right? Is that I truly enjoy it, but they're my North star, right? What am I trying to do? And, you know, I want to be able to represent to both my kids as a working mom, because as a working mom, I can take care of us as a family. I, you know, but I, but I also want them, whatever they choose to do in their lives is to have it be something they're really passionate about. That They're not just, 
mm-hmm. you know, doing one thing or the other. And for me, it's a really big deal. And I want to make sure that I represent that to my kids for sure. I love that. And I also resonate with that very much. I, you know, chose a different path in my life largely due to a realization for me one day I was not being the mother that I wanted to be. And that was do as I say, not as I do. That's the type of mother I was because I wasn't living my life the way that I deeply wanted to. But yet I was telling my children the complete opposite. You can do anything. You can achieve all things. And it wasn't until I made these life decisions where I wanted to be a true example, which then also led me to realize like, that's the type of leader I want to be. I want to be a leader who is right alongside my team saying, Hey, I've been there. I've done that. I'm here by your side to help you through this and to guide you and to give you counsel and to know that I, I have felt these pains and woes that you're feeling too. I mean, um, you have three kids. I mean, that's just one more. I can't, I feel like, okay, I'm really glad I only have two. And please also note that I don't have any plants and I don't have any pets. You know, I'm tapped out on things to keep alive with just my two. It's it's amazing though to, you know, you realize that um, children, you know, it's what they, how they change your life and how they impact you and, and how they create things even more in this like depth level of desire that you can't even, there's, there's really no words for the feelings that, you know, having children and then wanting to be very successful as well in your career. So you're a mother and running a business and you have a brain tumor. How did this, you know, how did you find out? Were you, I'm assuming you had symptoms of some sort and Well, all of those things, right? It was absolutely crazy. So about six months before I I found out, I was getting what they called temporal seizures. And they're just small seizures. And I would feel this kind of rushing feeling up my left side of my body and back down again. And and my hand would go numb and my eye would twitch and my foot would go numb. And, you know, I think what's interesting is you always, I think you know that maybe something's wrong if you've ever been sick or if any of the people listening have said, okay, when I knew something was wrong, but I really didn't want to deal with, like, I didn't want to face it. And I'm like, how am I going to have time for this? Right. I don't have time to be sick. And, um, but in hindsight, I realized that because they said it had been growing 10 or 15 years. And I look back and think, you know, I'm a high energy person, but I felt like at one point I had two bowling balls around my ankles, right? It was just like I was, you know, in sludge. And so I had this small kind of rushing feeling and it turns out that it was a seizure. And so I had told my husband, hey, I'm having this weird thing going on and I can't really describe it. So I told my doctor and she said, look, it could be anything. It could be an acute migraine. It could be a pinched nerve, but I really think you should see a neurologist. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, sure. I'm in a big hurry to go sit, you know, and do a bunch of tests. But interestingly, the universe didn't give me much choice. And that very same day that I was at the doctor, I had a massive grand mal seizure that lasted seven and a half minutes. And so frankly, the universe was like, you can't wait any longer on this. And at about two o'clock in the morning, my daughter woke me up and that's kind of what startled me and, and triggered this big seizure. And so the paramedics came in and I w- came to, and there were like six paramedics in the room and I just hadn't, I was totally disoriented. And so they took me to the emergency room and did a CAT scan and they said, look, we found a large mass in your brain and it needs to come out right away. And probably the most terrifying words I'd ever heard in my life. Right. So they said, look, we feel like it's benign. We don't think that it's cancer, but we have to go and do major surgery uh, within the next six or seven days to get it out and, um, and make sure that it's not cancerous. And so I was in ICU for about six or seven days and uh, to get like my body calmed down and do a million tests and all of these things. And so they went and opened up my skull. And I I say that because I have two screws 
in my skull. So the joke of my team, of course, is that I could potentially have a screw loose, right? Um, but I have two screws in my skull. And, um, and so they did, they took it out. It was about the size of a golf ball. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm here to tell about it, which is, which is unbelievable, right? You sign a disclaimer about 25 pages long that says, well, you may never walk again and you may never talk again, but you can't sue us. And we wish you well. And at the end of the day, the fact that I get to kiss my kids every day is something that I just frankly don't take it, it for granted. That, I mean, that itself is such a, a testament and a miracle that, you know, you really do have a lot to give to this world. I mean, in, in my opinion is, you know, having that opportunity of nature or life as it has it, the universe is, is calling you and, and saying like, you know, you had a symptom and then it went to that progression. And then, yes, like, even if it's not cancerous, like the fact that you think about like cutting into your brain, right. It's terrifying. It is right. literally terrifying. It's not like it's a, you know, tumor in your arm and it's not cancerous and they're just going to take it out and you're good to go. Right. It's in your brain. So how were you able to just overcome that um, trauma? Because I'm sure you probably felt so scared, right? Oh, and there's you yes. Can't even think or process, and you're going through so many emotions. And what did you do so that you could help yourself through this adversity? Well, so I would tell you that. At the time, after my after the surgery, my recovery was very intense. There's really no there's no sugarcoating it. It was very intense. I had about two hours at a time of stamina. I couldn't sleep on, you know, one side of my head, obviously, because I had, I mean, part of my head was shaved and all of these things. And so I had about two hours of stamina. I really couldn't, you know, bathe my kids and I couldn't, you know, I could they wouldn't let me drive because I had a debilitating seizure. And, but frankly, I couldn't drive, right. It didn't matter. I couldn't work. I couldn't, I couldn't even take, I couldn't do nighttime routine with my kids or anything. And, but I was lucky. I had a lot of people around me to take care of me and, um, really kind of help me put one foot in front of the other. Um, but I would tell you the single most important thing I learned in my recovery is meditation. And, I would say that time and time and time again, and people think it's very woo-woo, or I don't know how to do it, or I don't have time for that, or whatever. But for me, I knew that I had to work on my brain, specifically, like it was a muscle. And so I learned how to meditate, and I there is very rarely a day that I don't meditate. And so I would say that that's... But I also had to get stronger physically and mentally. They had me on some really insane medication, um, you know, because apparently I was still having seizures while I slept. So it's kind of like if you unplugged the microwave every single night, it goes flashing to zero every single morning, right? So every single day I was feeling like I couldn't get on solid ground. And so I just started, frankly, I did a lot of yoga and I learned how to meditate and, and I just got stronger frankly, literally day by day, I had tons of people, you know, providing food and care for my kids. And of course, my husband was caring for me. I mean, it was, it was a lot, it was all hands on deck. But I would say for my own personal well being, meditation was the key. And where in this timeline, like how, how many years into your business were you at by this point when all of this happened? So good question. I, uh, was I was uh, 25, 24 when I started the business and I was 38 when I had my brain tumor. So I'd been working for myself for a long time. I remember being in the hospital with my laptop, like, can I go home? You know, <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. And they're like, uh, no, you're not going anywhere. Are you crazy? So certainly nothing stops, but I did have to really take the time and figure out what I wanted the next 40 years to look like. I had to say no to things that I had been saying yes to that, frankly, in hindsight going, I'm glad I got to say no to those things. And I don't say yes to everything anymore. I say no to things that, frankly, I don't want to do. And, you know, my plate was full with obligations 
that I wasn't in love with. And so it gave me some time to reevaluate that for sure. So even in our Friday team huddle, that was one of my questions the other day is, what are you going to say no to? Because frankly, I'm saying no to certain things and you, we all need to. That's really fascinating that you bring that up. And I, I think that when life basically gives you these ultimatums saying, look, you cannot do every single thing that you have previously been accustomed to. Or if you want to be successful, you don't have to say yes to everything to be successful. I think we live in a life where we almost praise people who work themselves to the point of beyond exhaustion, right? And, 100%. But I do feel like culture, though, is trying to pivot that. And, and that's where I think a lot of people being entrepreneurs are coming into play. But also, you know, it, you know, social media is a really great thing, but it also can be really, um, it can be detrimental if your perspective on what people are doing is not correct. And I, and I bring this up because, you know, when I was um, a single mom of three, I used to have a lot of people asking me, why do you not attend every single event or why do you always leave at certain times? And I said, well, I only have so much time because I have my kids at this time. And, and, and yet I was the one who was leading the pack in my sales compared to everyone else. And it was because I had to, I had to like tighten it my life. And I realized that at that point, I thought I was missing out. I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's like doing so much better than me. And it wasn't until I realized that I was able to pick the right things that were going to elevate my life. And the other things were just dragging my life down and causing more work for me. And for it's sure. so interesting to see how life will force you to see that if you choose to see it. And, you know, because not everyone could to, could go through what you have been through or what other people go through to kind of get through these, um, you know, experiences in their life. It can either, you know, make them or break them. And for you, obviously, it made you. It, it made you into an even better of a person and to open your eyes to realize, hey, I can make my life extremely successful and eliminate things that are not necessary, that really just add more work and not value. Um, 100%. Which I think is so important for people, especially mothers, to, to realize that, you know, you can have success in life. You can still deal with life because life happens. For sure. And have a career, whether it's working for a company or, you know, starting your own business. Well, and I'm really lucky in the fact that I work for myself. So I do have flexibility in my schedule, which I'm always eternally grateful for because I can do things, you know, I can still pick them up from school sometimes, but then sometimes I don't and can't. Right. And I am okay with that. And, but after they go to bed, I can work on a project and the, and the house is quiet and that's great too. But I would also say that it is a struggle. I feel like some moms that don't have careers that they're really passionate about, maybe question that, oh, you must love your career more than you do your kids. And that's a struggle because I think to myself, there isn't any working mom that doesn't have mom guilt. It just doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. Because, but I, I heard this great talk from this working mom who'd built a $100 million company and had four kids. And to me, that was beyond all level of, of comprehension for me. I thought there's absolutely no way. And she was at the helm and she was the founder. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay, so you can do it. And I, I stood up and asked her a question and she said, look, you know, balance is really, it, it's really a myth, okay? But what I can tell you is that if you can try to be as present in those moments, meaning that if you're at work and you're focused totally on work, then focus on work. Don't feel guilty that your kids, you know, didn't see you as much this weekend because you had to work because that's not going to serve you. But also when you're with your kids, don't worry about the proposal that's due, you know, at the end of the week, because that's not going to serve you either. Right. And so I feel like 
uh, that was some of the best advice that I had been given is, is just trying to be present. So one thing I try to do when, you know, I come home and it's, you know, time to shut it off for a few hours, I won't come into the house, like being on a work call and talking to somebody else. I'll finish my call. I'll take a second, you know, take a deep breath, walk into the house and I'm fully present when I get to see them at the end of the day. I love it. It's that is so powerful and it's really true. And, you know, this is not just applicable also, and this is really for the listeners is, you know, we think about it being just on the mom's responsibility, right? But there are single dads who are for sure. And all of your relationships, your relationships are your most important asset. So it's not just being a mom, that's just where I can relate. And Certainly I, you know, I try to bring that to my team and my personal relationships and my friendships and it's not always easy, right? Because there's only one of you to go around and, you know, sometimes, you know, there's, I think just like you said earlier is that as an entrepreneur, but even as a mom, or if you're the CEO of your own house, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do is figuring out where the priorities are and what are the priorities for you. And I feel like that's just something that is a skill that needs to be honed. And Mm -hmm. I'm certainly trying to do that all the time and delegate where you can. Yeah. Well, you know, I've actually started, I, since I've been following your um, LinkedIn and I've been following your content, I really feel like you are sharing that story through how all of these experiences you can, you are truly applying them to your marketing abilities, which is obviously building your business and your brand, which I love. And I'm very, very passionate about myself because, you know, it's once again, you feel very connected to your brand and what you're selling. There's this authentic, genuine energy exchange that you're putting into content that is resonating with other people. So and I will tell you, Karina, I wasn't always ready, right? I mean, in the beginning, it was like, okay, I am fine with being a spectator in this world on social media. I'm really okay with it, you know? And then I just had more and more people encourage me to say, Amberly, you've got, you've got something to say. You clearly have an assignment, you know? It's like, so it took me some, some massaging and coercing to say, okay, you've got something to say, as opposed to you know, where I feel like you and Melanie and different people that I see, I'm like so inspired by, my gosh, I mean, you've, you're, you're putting yourself out there. It takes courage to do so, but also in a way that's relevant, I think is what I'm trying to maintain is I don't want it to just be, you know, fluff. It's, these are things that are really important to me, my business, my kids, you know, my mental health, my physical health. These are all things that they're all these spinning plates in the air (laughs) and making sure keeping them all spinning all the time is, is really the challenge. What would you say you feel like from this marketing, you know, you had said that you had pivoted from, you know, paper mailers, right. From actual physical mailers to digital mailers. And now you're also in this space with, um, the, um, dealer merchant services and credit card, but you're creating this online brand as well for your company. What are some, you know, maybe some tidbits that you would share with others on things that you have found to be extremely successful utilizing online? So for me, I am an avid audiobook listener, podcast listener, Um, I always feel like it's just something I try to do, whether if I'm cleaning or getting dressed, you know, almost always have something in the background that is just trying to sharpen the sword a little bit and try to do better. And I can maybe get one little tidbit of, of help and information. And I will say that, that it, it just, again, helps me kind of sharpen the tools that I have, whether it's sales books or entrepreneur books, or, or frankly, I love some of, you know, just great stories. Diane von Furstenberg is one of my favorites, right? She's got a $500 million brand. I mean, it's wild to me. And her mom was a, was a survivor of Auschwitz. I mean, her story is incredible. And then you've got like Matthew McConaughey, he's got a great book and, you know, and just the things that just, again, like we talked about that stairwell kind of unfolding and how you navigate the choices and, 
you know, how do you make the right choice for yourself outside of everything else? And so I guess I'm always, the other cool thing that I love about those stories is that really anything's possible, right? I mean, there's no, just, I mean, it's completely in alignment with who you are and your brand is unstoppable. And, you know, kind of making sure that there isn't a cap on you and what you can accomplish. And, you know, I'm, listen, I'm certainly grateful for that. My health, I'm healthier than I've ever been. And my business is growing leaps and bounds. And I don't know, I just feel really lucky. So how has online marketing changed your business? Well, so good question. So on the marketing side, so my DI marketing that I still have, um, the cool thing about that is that you have a really great reach, but it's also completely trackable. And so the numbers I think are really important, you know, when you're looking at your business. And then of course, on my personal branding side on LinkedIn, you know, just being consistent with the content, but that's also trackable too. Who's watching you, you know, what are they looking at? What are they responding to? And how you can hone that is, is also, I mean, it's fascinating because the reach is massive. I am, I'm like trying to find my words because I'm just so impressed by your ability to not, not do any kind of replication of, you know, what other people are doing. So the thing that I find so fascinating is when people find the niche, right? It's not reinventing the wheel. It's saying, Hey, I think that this could be done better. I think that I can improve this area and you, you continue to do that time and time again with your businesses and the way that you are innovative. I am just, I'm in awe, Amberly. That's very so funny. nice. That is, that is so nice. I don't take that in vain coming from you, especially I, I'm, I'm constantly looking to, I feel like the tides rise all boats and the more people that I connect with that are trying to improve their lives and, and, you know, navigate their way through it. it, Frankly, there's just a lot of great entrepreneurs and, and people out there that I'm thrilled to be able to connect with you. And I, again, I feel like I say that a lot in the business, but the tides rise all boats. And if you're in alignment with the right people, you know, they're really, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. What are three key, and it could be phrases or things that you apply to yourself that you would, you would, um, suggest for anyone who's wanting to start their own business, but get their mindset in the right place. So I feel like number one, everything starts with intention. I I mean, it just really does. And that again, may sound a little woo woo, but it's like, what is the point? What's the point of, you know, before I got on this call with you, I spent just a minute in my own head, like, what is my intention here? It's really to show Karina and her listeners, you know, give you some kind of value in the fact that, you know, you can build a business, you can be a mom, you can overcome massive health issues, you can really try to navigate and create the life that you want. And I'm constantly trying to improve it, of course. And I can't sit on my laurels, right? I've been, you know, some great things have happened, but there's still more to accomplish. And, um, but I would say, what's the intention, right? Is I wanted to be valuable to you and, and your listeners. Um, from there, I would say touch it once is, uh, is one of these tips that came from uh, Chet Holmes, who wrote my very favorite business book, which is called The Ultimate Sales Machine. And touch it once. It's like, okay. Well, don't just, and I'm the worst at it, I feel like, but if I can really get to where I'm like, okay, open that email and either handle it or don't open it and put it off till a time when I can is really huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, like know your numbers. If you are going to start a business, how much is it going to cost you? Who is your audience? Who is your ideal customer? How are you going to sell it? How much are you going to make on it? What are your costs, right? What are your goals? All those key components, but at the end of the day, unless you want a non-for-profit, you got to know your numbers. <laughs> I love it. It's very, very true. The, that number piece, me, who's someone who's like very much in the marketing, I am like the dreamer and I'm not as analytic. I'm like, yes, it's possible. Yeah, yes. Right. 
you can do it. Um, but then, you know, being a business owner, it really has taught me that, um, I have to take my dreaming and creating brain. That's the creative side. And remember, like it's got to pair with the analytical side, right? You, I have to also be very well versed and skilled and understanding the numbers piece um, to be the most successful business owner and to be my most successful self because I feel confident. When I feel most confident is when I feel like I can achieve anything. For sure. Um, so thank you so much, Amberly. I'm I'm so, you know, grateful that I even had the opportunity to, to, you know, to have met you, to have heard your story, and for my listeners now to also, you know, know more about you and um being a problem solver in your industry and being a minority and knowing that you can overcome that, you can overcome, you know life challenges, be a mother and have multiple businesses and be extremely successful. Yeah. So I'm etern- I, I'm equally as grateful to you, Karina. Thank you so, so much. Amberly, before we um, end the show, I would love for you to share with us anything that you've got exciting. I know that my listeners are going to want to go and find where they can, you know, find you if you have a website or any of your social media platforms, um, please do share with us. Well, so I am all over LinkedIn. Uh, my social media director is really putting me out there. So it takes some getting used to, but I appreciate that anybody has any interest. It's It's been a lot of fun connecting with so many different types of people. Um, so LinkedIn, I would, I think is probably my, the best place to find me and information about me and my brand and my two businesses. Uh, so Amberly Allen, uh, pretty simple. And then on Instagram, it's the Amberly Allen is my handle. So other than that, it's, it's pretty easy. So you can find me all over LinkedIn and my two businesses are dimarketing.net and dealermerchantservices.com. Amazing. Well, thank you again. And yes, to my listeners, her contact information is, is located in the details of the show notes so you can't miss it thank you again amberly and we're so grateful to hear your unstoppable story thank you thank you thank you